This is an audio sermon recorded at the Church of Christ at Johnson Mill in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 3801 Johnson Mill Boulevard. I'd like to welcome everyone here this morning and I'll tell you it's a, it's a pleasure, it's an honor, it's a, a very uplifting to me to be able to come over here and, and see you all finally and to be able to stand before you and to be able to present uh, God's word to you this morning. And uh, as, as always, uh, when I stand up to speak about God's Word, it's nothing of my own opinions. Now, I will add in some of my own experiences and stuff like that, uh, because the lessons that I put together, especially this one this morning, is examining my own life and being able to share with you, take this opportunity to share with, with you some things that I've learned in my, in my life, uh, raising raising my family so far. Uh, but as we all can say, it, I'm not perfect in this by no means. Uh, but, you know, we see from God's Word how we can be more pleasing to Him. And that's, it's just a constant struggle. It's a constant battle that we have to face and struggle with each and every day of our life to be better for God. Uh, this morning, I like to look at uh, protecting your family. And I'm talking to those that are, that are married now, those that have children, those who are fixing to get married, those uh, that has a family, or those that are living in a household with their family. Uh, how, do you, how do you protect your family? Speaking for myself, uh, when, we, when I got married, I told my wife, Julia, that uh, I would be with her th- uh, through better or for worse, for better or for worse. I told her at one point I would, I would fight a grizzly bear for her, uh, we would stand in the way of a bullet for them, for our family, for our children. Uh, we'd push them off a train track, and if a train was coming, you know, you get, you get the idea. So we'd do our, our level best to protect our family from harm. You know, we won't let uh, somebody speak disrespectfully to our family. We won't let nobody act disrespectfully to our family. And we'll, if nothing else, we'll remove our family from those situations. And this study this morning, I'm not going to stand up here and try to look through the Bible and find where it tells us to find the best weapon for us to use to protect our family when somebody comes to rob our family or our home. Uh, I'm not going to stand up here and say that the Bible tells us how to, uh, what brand of security system we use in our house, uh, cameras and such like. I'm not even going to stand up here and tell you how to protect your family from this COVID virus. I don't have a vaccination for it. I don't you know, I'm not going to stand up here and talk about those things this morning, but what I am going to talk about is protecting your family from the number one threat, and that is yourself. As you look at your family and you think about your family, look at yourself and protect your family from yourself, and that's what we're going to look into this morning. Ourself or yourself can be a, the most dangerous threat to your wife, to your husband, to your children, to your parents. But a lot of times those, those enemies are overlooked. And I want you to kind of look at yourself this morning uh, as the enemy in your home. Now we can correct that, hopefully by the end of this, this study, that, that we can correct that and see ways to correct that. We have many, lots of verses in the Bible that tells us, talks to us and tells us, about how we are to treat our, our neighbors. 
uh, how we are to treat just anybody that we come across in our life, how we are to treat our enemies. We are to treat them out of love, we are to treat them out of forgiveness and such like. It's hard to do. But if we're held to that accountability on our neighbors and our enemies, how accountable are we held to our family members? How accountable am I to my wife and to my kids on being loving, forgiving, treating them out of the kindness of my heart? And even on top of that, add in, you're a Christian here this morning. If you're a Christian here this morning, how much more of a responsibility is it for you to treat your family the way God wants you to treat them. If we fail to do the things which God commands us to do for our families, I want you to expect failure and catastrophe. And we see that every day. Out in the world, we look at families are ripped apart because they can't get along as a family. This threat stems, of course, from not fulfilling our Christian roles, our Christian duties. God made families... So I think he's the best one to look to to see how we to, to act towards our families. There are two areas that I'd like to look at this morning in protecting our family and what we can protect them from. And there's many other things that we can talk about. Even in these two things that we're going to cover this morning, there's tons and tons of information. Uh, but for time's sake, I just picked out a few things that we can go over. First is through our words. And then the second is our actions. Two simple things uh, that we can work on. I want you to look at <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. It says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, or the mouth, and they that love it shall eat of the fruit thereof. So by, by our mouth, by our tongue, we can either produce life or death. We can bring life, we can bring death with our, with our mouth. We can cause comfort and all these this peace and different things with our mouth, but then we can tear down and we can destroy with our tongue as well. So there's two options that we can use our tongue for, our mouth for, and here, here they are. But it's a, a choice that you must make for your family. God talks about the, the Bible, or in the Bible, about our tongue, how it is it can be considered or compared to as a fire. James chapter 3, there at verse 6 says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. Think about this for a minute. If Julia or the boys were about to touch something hot, my wife or the boys were about to touch something hot, I would do my level best to go over and try to keep them from touching it, because they may not know it's hot. And so you tell them it's hot, don't touch it. For instance, uh, one day we was working in the garden a little bit and got the tiller shut off. Muffler was still scorching hot. Isaiah walked over there and put his hand on it. You can just hear the sizzle. Just and of course, he was upset about that. It really hurt him. I didn't have that time to tell him, hey, that was hot. And he got burnt. God says your tongue can be a fire, a world of iniquity. Your, your tongue can burn. We warn our family about touching something hot, but we lash out every single day with our tongues, possibly because we had a bad day, uh, we're not feeling well, and they might get on our nerves a little bit, so we lash out with our tongue, and we burn them with our tongue instead of warning them or 
fec even fixing our, our tongue ourselves. So why don't we place that much emphasis, hey, that's hot, on our tongues, about ourselves, about our own tongues, as we do physical things. We should not want to see our family burn, especially with the, the fire of our tongue. Our tongue is also considered as uh, something as poisonous snakes. So Romans chapter 3, verse 13, this is talking to the Jews here, but I think it applies uh, to us in, in the context of what we're talking about here this morning. It says, Their throat is an open sepulcher. Well, with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. See what our, our tongue is capable of. It's, it's capable of producing poisonous snakes, if you want to look at it that way. If there was a pit of rattlesnakes right here in this room underneath this house, I wouldn't send my kids, my boys under there, hey, go get that wrench I left under there. I mean, it's, it's, it's common sense to keep them away from something poisonous, something that would hurt them. But we have right here that our tongue and our mouth can be as poisonous snakes. But we don't think twice about speaking in an evil way or in a bad way to our family. You know, I want all of us this morning, as we cover this, it's very easy with our words and our actions that we're going to be covering here in a little bit to, to kind of think that we're hid behind the walls of our home. At least it is for me. You get home, we act totally different than we would around y'all here this morning. And I'm saying that very carefully. I don't think, I want you to think that we're terrible people. But I'm saying that behind our closed doors, we may act a certain way that we would, we would be ashamed to have somebody, a brother and sister in Christ, our co-workers, see us work, or to see us act. So just imagine a big screen about this size up here, a TV screen, showing your life at home. Because it's very easy to start speaking to our spouse, to start speaking to our children. Children start speaking to their parents in such a way that normal people will not see, but God sees. And I want you to understand that, that this poison and this fire can be in our homes. We may not show it out in public, necessarily, but it can be in our homes and it can eat our homes alive. One of the ways that we can uh, use our, our tongue as, as fire or as this poison is found in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18. It says, He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. This word slander here is what I want to pay attention to. Slander is defined here as uh, whispering or de defamation, or uh, tearing someone down intentionally slandering somebody and we can do that with our spouse uh, you hear people sometimes uh, talk to their about their spouse they don't necessarily have to talk to their spouse but they talk about their spouse with their friends at work or whatever and they'll say my old lady you hear that sometimes well that in itself is is very uh, disrespectful but they'll talk in such a way that they li it lifts themselves up to make it, them look like something and talk to talk bad about their spouse. Uh, wives do the same thing. They talk about their old man. They talk about their husbands in a, such a disrespectful way. Children, they talk about their uh, parents in very disrespectful ways. And even us parents can talk about our children in a very disrespectful way or a tearing down way, a slanderous way. 
So we've got to be very careful that when we talk about our spouse, our children, our parents, that it's in such a way that builds up, and we'll, we'll look at that here in a minute, but leave slander out because that could be a fire. That could be that poison that could be running through your family. Speaking grievous words can also be that way. Uh, Proverbs 15, verse 1, it says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Grievous here is defined as uh, something out of pain, hurt, or sorrow. So words that causes pain, hurt, and sorrow is those grievous words, and those grievous words stir up anger, make somebody mad. Uh, what about an argument that has stirred up in your home stemmed from probably grievous words? Something that you said that caused pain, hurt, and sorrow that you're trying to work out that just rips your home apart and then eventually makes one or the other person angry. How many arguments and how many families that have been ripped apart could have been saved if only we left those grievous words out and just thought about what we we're going to say before we spoke those things? And we see that our tongue can be used as fire or instead it can be used as comforting, something that's comfort. Uh, say you're out there working on a fire... Uh, for your, the fire department, you're trying to get this fire out. You know how hot that fire is. And you work out there all day long and you get thirsty. And how refreshing it is to be able to come in from that fire, fight in that fire, and take a big drink of that cold water. Or even instead, think about it as using that cold water to put that fire out. It's comforting to the homeowners, comforting to the landowner to put that fire out. And so as we think about these words, our words can be comforting and uplifting to somebody. Isaiah 50 verse 4, it says, The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning, he waketh, me, wakeneth my ear to hear as, he, as the learned. The word that is spoke in season, in due season, in due time, at the right time to him that is weary. So if you have somebody that is not having a very good day that needs something, uh, uplifting words or something, for example, if uh, Julia had a, a rough day with the boys, she does quite often with two boys, I don't need to come home and just tell her about my day all the time and about the bad day that I had and vice versa. That's each one's responsibility, use comforting words. Try to think of something that you can say that can bring peace to the family at that time because those grievous words and those hurting words is not going to help the situation at all. But sometimes we don't think about this and we leave these comforting words out. Instead of uh, our tongue being as uh, this poisonous, uh, these poisonous snakes, that poison that can run through your, your family, uh, instead, it could be sweet as a honeycomb. Proverbs 16, verse 24 says, Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. So why let this poison run through our family, stemming from us? Let's cut off that poison. Let's start letting that honey flow a little bit through our family. There's nothing more food-wise that I like better than a homemade warm biscuit, some of Jim's, uh, my father-in-law's biscuits, with some honey on it. 
and maybe even a little honeycomb to chew on. That's good and that's pleasant to us. And really, honey is healthy to us. So why choose something poison over something so pleasant as we think about honey? And, and throughout the Bible, we see different instances where God compares different things that are pleasant uh, to honey. And so we have honey as being pleasant, and our words can be that same way as well. Now, I'm standing before you here this morning to say that I've had trouble with this, these things. So I'm not saying I'm better than you all. I'm, I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody as, as using this poison, as using this fire to lash out at my family. And, and it's very humbling to see God telling us these things, that He knows that this, these things happen in families. And He shows you how to correct these, these, this tongue that we may... Uh, let out of control and we when we talk about control we talk about our tongue in James 3 verse 8 it says but the tongue can no man tame it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison and so we have scriptures that says we are not to use our tongue this way but to use it this way back and forth and not to use it this way and to use it this way then we come to this verse that says Man can't tame your tongue. You cannot tame your tongue. So is this God contradicting Himself? Saying you must control your tongue, but then, well, you can't control it. It's untamable. As we think about taming something, uh, God has given or made all these animals that's out we can think of. A lot of animals have been tamed uh, by man. And... We, uh, Julie and I, and I think Lana has done some of it with that Pirelli. It's called Pirelli. It's horse training. And so this guy that came up with this whole training program, he, he can take a wild Mustang and he can have it training in a few weeks. And it's just using pressure points and different things, and a lot of times he don't even use a bridle. And so he does all these things, and he's, he's figured out a, a way to train these horses. Can you and I figure out a way to tame our tongue of our own way, of our own devices. Can we, can we write a book, now leaving the Bible out, can we write a book on how to tame our tongue? No man, it says, can tame your tongue. You can't tame your tongue. God is not contradicting himself. Consider James chapter 1, verse 26. It says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So we have the idea of, of bridling your tongue. There's a control here. But that control does not come from us. That comes from God. It comes from the Scriptures. It te it, God tells us how to control our tongue. We use God as the bridle, just as we would on those horses that needs those bridles. We use God's Word to bridle our tongue and to, to guide our tongue to the right way we need to, to, be, to be using it. We've got to desire this. We've got to desire to have that bridle, to have that guidance. Because if, if you don't have a desire to do anything in this life, you're not going to do it. And that goes with your job. If you don't have a desire to do what you're working for, 
If I don't have a desire to work on HVAC equipment, I'm not going to do a very good job at doing HVAC equipment because I don't have that desire, that push to do those things. You've got to have a desire to bridle your tongue or you're not going to bridle it and do it to do it God's way. Uh, Psalms 39 verse 1, it says, I said I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. David here talks about his desire of wanting to bridle his tongue with God's ways. He wanted to keep his tongue from sin. We need to try our best to keep our tongue from sin and to bridle it with God. I think it's very important to know when to speak. And that's, and that's very dangerous. Uh, speaking for myself is, is not thinking first. James 1 verse 19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We get reversed on that sometimes. We speak first. We get angry first. And then we think later, well, I shouldn't have said that. God says you need to think first. So anything that's fixing to come out of your mouth, you need to think. Is it going to be poison or is it going to be honey? Proverbs 15, verse 23, it says, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. How good it is to speak that right word at the right time. Speaking those words that edify, Ephesians 4, verse 29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace into the hearers. Is what you're fixing to say to your spouse, to your children, to your parents, is it something that's going to be beneficial? Is it something that's going to be edifying to the, to the individual hearing that or not? Now, this is a commandment given to us for anybody. How we're to treat our co-workers. If our enemy comes up to us, we're not to use foul language with them. Corrupt communication doesn't give that uh, idea at all. This is talking about how we are, as Christians are to act to other people. Now bring it back down to your family. How much more should we be this way to our family than just anybody we run across in our life? Something that, that edifies, something that is sweet, something that is constructive. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 11, it says, The words of the wise are as goads, and as nails fastened by the master, masters of assemblies, which are given from, from one shepherd. So, best of my knowledge, goads are something that they used to use back in the old days uh, to guide these oxen and different things, little sharp sticks or something sharp on their feet, something to guide that oxen uh, the right way it should go. And, of course, nails fastened by the masters of assemblies. I like to think about uh, if you were to remodel your house or to build anything, you're going to try to find the best carpenter around, the master of assemblies, to, to fasten those nails. As you think about those nails, you want the best nails, you want it drove in all the way, and the carpenters that you hire, the best carpenters that you're going to hire is going to make sure that happens. I've been on jobs before where you see a, a ceiling joist come out to meet a header and there's probably six inches away from meeting the header, and they'd go ahead and slap the sheetrock on it and go on. 
I wouldn't trust that very much at all, but you don't see that, of course, when you buy the house. But when you have a house built, you go around and you make sure everything's fastened with those nails. I was told uh, by a brother over at Aurora that you don't use drywall screws on outdoor application because they're not uh, coated in anything, so they'll just rust. And sure enough, uh, pulling some screws out that I've used that way, they were all rusty. And so as we think about these goads, that the words of the wise, these words can be as goads, they can be something that can direct somebody, can direct you even, uh, or as nails that is fastened by the, the carpenters, the masters of assembly, something that's going to hold together strong. And I get the idea here that those nails, those words can be what can hold your family together or not. What about words from love, words of love? 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7 says, Charity suffereth long and is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. So I want you to apply your mouth to these things being said. This is talking about different things of love and what you're basically, some of these things you're, you're leaving out if you have a heart of love. How many of these things can be manifested through your mouth to your family? The jealousy, being impatient, uh, self-seeking, lifting yourself up in pride. All these things can be shown through your mouth if you don't have, well, first of all, if you don't have the heart uh, of, of love that you're supposed to have, these bad things are going to manifest itself uh, through your mouth. Let's talk about actions for just a little bit. Our actions can also cause destruction in our family, can rip, the, rip those families apart. As we think about our actions, what, what might be something that we do that could be uh, well, it could be bad in our family. That is Proverbs 15, and verse 18. It says, A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. As you think about yourself this morning, are you an angry person? I'm not telling you, I'm not asking that to, to what other people views you as. But as you view yourself, do you consider yourself an angry person? Something that, somebody that is quick-tempered. Something, somebody that just lives off of somebody else. Uh, some, you living off of this anger that if, you, if, if your spouse just says something, well, you're just right there to bottom back. Living in that anger, and you know, living with an angry person is is not very fun. I can't tell you that by experience because Julia is very, is very patient. But you see homes at different places. You see people in town being a very angry person. Living in this anger is, is not very healthy for a Christian home. It stirs up strife, it says. In Psalms chapter 144, in verse 15... 
It says, happy is that people that is in such a case, yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Thinking about all that God has done for you and I as His children from the very beginning of time, what He done with His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, what Christ went through on that cross, and, and you think about that kind of God and, and the God of love that He is, the God of mercy that He is, the God of grace that He is. And we go home every day angry, mad, frustrated, disappointed. Shouldn't we be happy? Just in the simple, which is really not so simple, but in the fact that God is our Lord. God is our God. And we should be happy all the time because we're in such a standing with God as his children but you see at uh, one time I was in Lowe's and I, I was behind this couple and this guy was was in the return line returning some stuff and there was a guy there that he was just he was for some reason had ordered something online and it was still pending or something so he had a question about it well the whole thing was busy there and instead of using patience he was just getting angry and talking bad to his wife and his, his wife was standing there going, you know, rolling her eyes. And, and you look at that, and he's like, man, how can somebody act like that in public? How can somebody see that? I mean, act like that in front of somebody that's right behind them that don't know. And Well, you know, sometimes we can view it that way. I viewed it that way. But let's, let's back up and say, how, how can I act like that to my wife at home when nobody's watching? Remember that big screen TV that's up here? Looking at everybody seeing your life, is somebody looking at you at you right now thinking, boy, that's an angry person. When that door closes at home, boy, they're an angry person. What about being unmerciful? Romans chapter 1, verse 29 says, Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who know in the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. I read that whole list because showing all the bad things that's listed there, but at the very last he says, being unmerciful. It's just as bad as being a murderer. How many times do we look at our family through the eyes of grace? Sometimes when Julie don't do something just exactly right in my eyes, I'm very quick to point that out. Uh, being unmerciful is what I am sometimes instead of looking on that out of grace as God looks at us maybe they didn't mean it that way um, she had a long day too maybe I should look at it that way be merciful unto your family you know when it comes to children I'm not saying don't ever punish them and get on to them and stuff and there comes time for rebuke for your spouse, for your husband, or your wife, you know, very in a Christian like manner, of course. 
But it's those people that, that doesn't forgive their family. Somebody is just looking for time for their family to mess up. That's what I'm talking about there. Somebody that doesn't show compassion on their family. Another way to look at it is digging up old bones in your family. Just be merciful unto your family. Luke 6, verse 36 says, Be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. That's big shoes to fill. <laughs> if we're supposed to be as merciful as our Father is, or be like our Father, which is merciful. Love is action. Love is not just words. 1 John 3, verse 18 says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So just... I mean, saying I love you to your family is important, but don't let, just let that be it. Let it be through your deeds, through your actions that you do. Again, we're not going to read this. It's up here for you to look at. But what we read earlier about love and what love is and what it is not, our love or hatred, I guess, the lack of love can be shown through our actions, just as it can be through our, through our mouth. And this one right here is a big one for me because uh, I've seen it. I've seen it with my boys, especially my older boy. <clears throat> Am I, as a father and as a husband, a good example to, to my family? First Timothy chapter four verse twelve says, "Be therefore merciful, as your father is also merciful." And that is not the correct one. First Timothy chapter four, there at verse twelve. says, Let no man despise thy youth, be the, but, uh, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So the exhortation here is to be a good example. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can be an example to somebody. In my case, I'm, direct, I'm a direct example of my wife and to my children. There are some things that Isaiah, my oldest son, has done. It's like, where did he learn that from? Oh. And Zeke is getting up old enough now where he's starting to try a few things and do a few things that he sees Daddy do. They both do things that Mama does sometimes. I'm not leaving her out of it. She, she'll admit it as much as, as me. So there's things that our children can look at us, either a bad example, I'll do what daddy does, I don't care if it's a good example or a bad example, they'll do what daddy does, they'll do what mama does, because we're direct, directly teaching them an example to them. Philippians 1 verse 27, it says, only let your conversation, or your way of life, your actions, uh, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. This is talking to the church at Philippi here. Talking about them as a whole, as their congregation being this way. And Paul says, whether I'm there or just writing a letter, I need you to be this way. God wants you to be this way. Wants you to be acting in such a way that becometh the gospel of Christ. Now bring it back down to the family. Are you acting in a good way because brother so-and-so is looking? Uh, Pat Man is looking? 
Or are we doing it because that's what God wants us to be like? Because God is watching us all the time and showing us exactly what we should be doing. And so that we need to be that good example to show our, our family the way, the way to heaven. Because we want our families there. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So whatever it is, whether it's word, your tongue, or whether it's by your actions, your, your deeds, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's, that's the expectation that we, or that God has for us, is to follow in Christ's footsteps. Because he came here as an example. And, and as we see Christ's example, he acted, well, he was perfect in word and in deed. So what better example for us to follow? So you and I, as we think about this, and as we view our life up here on this big screen, so to speak, figure out what's destroying your home right now. Figure that out for yourself. And you need to take action against that. Maybe you're a husband this morning, as I am, and we look at our life and we say that I'm, I'm doing something that's causing my family to struggle. Ephesians 5, verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. No doubt we'll give ourselves for our spouse and our family. But this is a big standard to live up to if we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. To you wives this morning, Ephesians 5, verse 24, Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. This is forgotten about a lot of times. We talk about wives is submitting. Submit to your husbands in everything, it says in other verses. So church is subject to Christ, so the wife should be subject to her husband. Okay, what about to the parents? Maybe you're a parent here this morning. Ephesians 6, verse 4, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's our direct responsibility as a husband, or as a father, I mean, to bring your, the children up in the nurture and the discipline and the admonition of the Lord. No doubt the mom has a responsibility in that too, but it's directly held responsible on the men, the fathers, to not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up the way God wants them to be brought up. Proverbs 12, uh, 22, verse 15, it says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction, or the switch, or the belt, shall drive it far from him. There's a rod of correction that we are to use, and that is being taught against nowadays. And we see how this world is going with the children and the people because this is left out of the homes. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. So it's going to have to have something to drive it out of them so that, the, <clears throat> so that they'll learn. Of course, all this is done with love and all that stuff as well. To the children. Ephesians 6, 1-3, through 3, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. When we're under our parents' household, we're to obey them. 
and we need to do it willingly. Throughout our whole life, I believe that you need to honor your father and your mother. And so as we talk about the children, they have, set, they have just as big a responsibility. My, ch- my children have a, a big responsibility in protecting their moms and dads and their home as the husband and the wife and the father and mother has it's a, it's a struggle for everybody and the whole family to work together to protect your home from each other but we can do that by following what God tells us to do I hope this lesson this morning has been encouraging I, as I said it's it's I don't know I guess it's in a way uncomfortable a little bit to talk about you know, my life, and I don't want you to think anything bad about me, but it's just struggles that we all face in our life as a family. And I get to wondering, you know, why is this happening, or, or why is my family going in this direction? Well, maybe it's something that I'm doing or not doing. And you all need to think about your, your family and your life and make those corrections as necessary. And I, if there's anyone here that needs the prayers of the church and needs... Uh, See some struggles in your life and need need prayers uh, or needs to be uh, obedient to the gospel, need to be baptized. We ask that you'd come sit on the front as we stand and while we sing. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. To receive new sermons each week, subscribe on Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, and like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and God bless.